Welcome to Thank You 10 with Zoe and Ken, where we will discuss the magic, madness, and meaning of musical theater from fourth wall to curtain call. We are your hosts, McKenna Nem and Zoe Wall, and today's episode centers all around unrequited love. We rated each musical heartbreak on a scale of 1 to 10 based on how many tears we shed. Just kidding. Only tears were shed were of secondhand embarrassment. (laughs) Starting off with everyone's favorite hopeless romantic. The mistress of mistreatment. The noblewoman of neglect. The heroine of heartbreak. Eponine. So, Eponine's life is kind of just sucky in general. I mean, she's like the daughter of the Tenardiers, which we all know they're terrible people. She's been abused. Like, nothing really good comes to her. She's in the middle of a war. The only good thing in her entire life is Marius, and he doesn't love her. He so. friend zones her like to the max, and she's—he's literally the only thing that she wants in life. Like she doesn't ask for much. She has no real desire in life other than to be loved by him, and she still isn't. I mean, so. her character depth isn't the most like she doesn't have the most depth as a character, but we do feel for her a lot because the one thing she wants, she it she just isn't gonna get it, and we all know she isn't gonna get it. Speaking of which, her song, On My Own, is probably the most notable unrequited love song of all time. Every girl has sang this at an audition, ever. Every girl has also sang this song when they are crying to themselves in their room. (laughs) Absolutely. the boy they loved did not love them back. Absolutely. And Eponine, like, she just is such, she sacrifices so much for him, and he will forever friend zone her. And he doesn't sacrifice anything for her. I mean, let's be completely honest. She died for him. Even if she didn't die specifically to give the note to Cosette, she, what she did was she risked her life to give a note to his girlfriend when she wanted to be his girlfriend. What <laughs> the heck? It's very sad. And, okay, uh, um, A Little Fall of Rain is just, it's so, it's sad. Like, it's just really depressing. Because you can just feel in her song, like, how happy she is to just be close to him and he doesn't feel anything for her and it's such a weird song because she's comforting him like she's like no don't fret marius but like she's the one dying she just cares so much about him that she her only she's getting what she wants in the end in her death was just to be held by him and to be close by him like she's happy and content even though she's dying she really she doesn't care. And it reflects on my own so much because she kept saying about this world full of happiness that she's never known. Well, yeah. she gets to know it in the end when she's literally in his arms dying. And even though it's her final breath, it's her best one yet. And the th- another thing is she talks about in On My Own, um, in the rain, the pavement shines like silver and it's raining a little full of rain (laughs) (laughs) like that's that's pretty deep um her reality of happiness comes in the end even though that results in her death and what's really weird about this whole marius eponine cosette thing is that she's known him her entire life eponine and marius are close friends they are buds um, even if that's not what she wants to be. And he met Cosette about two seconds ago. And he's like, I'm in love. This is and the one. I know just, it. Just like her being in love with him for so long. And then watching him fall for another girl instantly. 
it's it's really sad. I just like you honestly, you can do nothing but feel for her. Honestly, and for that reason, I think we're gonna have to give her a nine out of ten. Just because just because we feel we feel really bad for a girl. We she suffers a lot and she didn't really do anything to deserve it. And the just a little fall of rain is just it it, it'll get you crying. On the bright side, a little fall of rain might just clean all the dirt off of her because that (laughs) is a mess. What (laughs) I like okay. I I love Ebony. She's she's a she's a cutie, but why is she so dirty? Maybe maybe that's why she didn't get the man. Because no other character has a, as much dirt on them. <laughs> and none of them. She's always just so dirty, and I don't know why. Like there is running water in places. She she can access it. I, I don't really know what's going on with her. <laughs> <laughs> so while Cosette may have made Marius see black as the color of despair. Tracy made the world see black as the color of swagger, which is leading us into our next unrequited love story of Hairspray. Okay, so on a less depressing note is um, we chose our next unrequited love story to be Hairspray. It might not be an unrequited love story, especially because she gets the man in the end. But still, there's a while there where he's with Amber and she's kind of upset about it. And um, mainly um, in I Can Hear the Bells, she's not very, like, upset. Like, she's not she's not really crying about it. She just is a very... She's maybe insecure with, like, her social skills and her body and stuff. But she's definitely confident in the fact that she will get Link and they will get married from just a simple interaction with him. She 100% says, everybody says like a, that a girl who looks like me can't win his love. Well, just wait and see. She is she ready to steal gonna happen. his man. She is ready oh, to steal Amber's steal man. Amber's man. <laughs> and she does steal him in the end. She does. Her personality and her charm and her confidence, she 100% gets him because she's a happy-go-lucky character with a hopeful outlook. And that's what people want. No, yeah. Tracy's, a great character. Tracy's such a badass. And I think I think she's overlooked a lot. Just as like very like strong female characters because she she seeks after what she wants and she gets it. Whether that's like, you know, equality for um all braces or um, you know, she seeks after this guy and she gets him just from her her skills. Oh no, she's a confident woman and she she's not, she knows what she wants and she's going to go take it no matter what. And also Amber and Link were not a fantastic couple in the first place. So everyone is rooting for Tracy 100%. Through the whole show everyone's like, "Yes, Tracy, go get your man." And she 100% does, which is why it's not such a sad story after all. This no. is no eponine moment. Yeah, we're not nobody's really sad for her. Everyone's rooting for her. Um she there's really no heartbreak, but it was unrequited in the beginning which is why we just give it a one out of ten we wanted to include this one because we thought it was kind of fun you can't stop the beat but you can stop racism (laughs) (laughs) which is also a very hot topic in the hit musical hamilton and like hairspray it also starts with an h yes (laughs) so um with angelica there's definitely a kind of love triangle going on there but the thing is 
is it will never be actually reciprocated. And she is aware of that from the beginning. She knows that she's going to spend her whole life loving Hamilton, but she's willing to make that sacrifice because of her love for her sister. I think that it is reciprocated, I guess, by Hamilton. Like, obviously, there's little hints in the show where he's like, oh, I'm kind of into Angelica. She's kind of a girl I'm looking at. I'm longing for Angelica, missing my wife. But in the end, it's never going to actually become a reality. It's always going to be something she makes up in her head. And that's what's the saddest part, because she knows that everything in her life depends on what he does. She lived only to read his letters, but in the end his life is something completely different and it's for someone else. The moment they met is actually really interesting because she meets him and she goes through her, she racks through her brain and she is honest, almost kind of looking for reasons why she shouldn't be with him, which is kind of interesting because she's, she knows that she like is so fascinated by how they can like match wits and like match each other's energies. But she kind of, like, she is, like, you know, trying to find reasons that they can't be together. So she's kind of a self-sabotage kind of thing, which oh, she regrets. she 100% sabotaged herself, mm-hmm. 100%. Because immediately she, Eliza was like, that one's mine. And she's like, okay, go ahead. Let's introduce you. Let's get you guys married. Let's have this all happen. And she might drop subtle hints where she's like, I'm kind of into your man. But she's never would ever act on it. And that's the kind of selfless deed that not many people can make. But she loves her sister so much. No, yeah, she chooses her happiness over her own, which is, like, she just is a really good character in which she is never really looking out for herself, even though that the only really thing she wants, she wants Hamilton so bad, but she wants her sister's happiness more. And you can tell through the entire show that she has regrets about it until, you know, she, in which everything's kind of thrown out the window but it's too late by the time that she like realizes that she's into him or like in love with him he's already engaged to Eliza like by the time like at their wedding she's literally having this terrible debate in her mind where she's like I lost everything Mm -hmm. and it's too late yeah she says I'll regret that night for the rest of my days because she she's just so quick to judge and so quick to like kind of judge a person that she judged him too quickly and she regrets that and she always will and that's something that's like as uh, like as long as the show goes on she's going to always like that's what she's known for in the show and satisfied is a uh one brilliant song number that it's fantastic and oh so well written it was so well written everything that she said made complete sense and it really made you empathize with the character which a lot of these characters you can't empathize with completely because one, maybe they're not so, like, charming or their ideas don't make as much sense. You, They don't have a lot of depth. Like, Eponine, I don't really empathize with her. I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, poor girl, but, like, sucks for her. Yeah. But, like, with Angelica, it's like, okay, like, so kind-hearted and selfless and just the kind of person who would 100% give up something she wants so bad for somebody else. And on top of that, she's, like, this smart charming witty girl who deserves love but never finds it and she completely settles Mm -hmm. for the man who always pays yeah the thing is um from the beginning he says you strike me as a woman who will never be satisfied and he says they're like in that way and he's absolutely right he's never satisfied with what seems to be the best wife he could ever have he always wants more and so does angelica she 
will never be satisfied with the life she has and she'll always have regrets and she'll always want more and they're both alike in that way which is why they were so good for each other but also in reality we know it wouldn't have worked either just because they're both so such big personalities that it never really would have worked out because they're always people who want more than what they have but neither of them will ever be able to admit that because all they have in their heads is what ifs exactly and that what if is what literally like that what if actually like stops her from ever finding true happiness oh yeah because she will always have in her head but this could have been mm-hmm. and that stops her from what can be and it'll never happen and that's why she gave a fun love after him yeah she settled for a man she didn't love because he had money and she because she was like oh I'm never gonna get anything like I could have had and even they kind of very romantic they romanticize each other so much in their minds just because it's like you want so much what you can't have that makes complete sense it's it's really a terrible toxic situation. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's 100% awful because he's literally married to her sister. Oh, yeah. Like, what do you do in that situation? You're in love with your sister's husband. Yeah. But that's where it's at. And that's why we decided to give it an 8 out of 10 because some serious tears were shed for Angelica. Oh, for she's, sure. She's got a rough life and it's going just, on. She's stuck in such a hard place because he does love her to an extent but it can never happen so they're just stuck in this like hypothetical situation in their minds a hypothetical purgatory that's literally what yeah yeah hamilton did say angelica tried to take a bite of me and speaking of cannibalism our next entry is sweeney todd Okay, so Miss Lovett is definitely a character you can empathize with less because she is crazy. She's a sociopath. Oh, absolutely. She lures Sweeney into this awful business of cooking people into pies, (laughs) trying to get him to fall in love with her. She completely manipulates him, telling him his wife is dead, even though she isn't. Her plan was really just terrible from the start. Like, I don't know how she even thought of that and was like, that's a good idea. She is completely selfish. Oh, my gosh. She has no hint of guilt throughout the entire show. She's like, let's move over, like, by the sea. Let's just, like, forget about all this. She just wants him in her life because she's so, like, desperately in love with him. It's so desperate. It's awful. She, She completely emotionally manipulates him to get, like, he loved his wife so much. He She convinces him that she's dead and then uses that to her own advantage. But he doesn't love Miss Lovett at all. No, he's so hung up on his ex. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, they had a kid together and definitely were married. So, like, it makes sense that, that he's hung up on her, but he's not moving on to Miss Lovett. That's not happening. Oh no, it's definitely it's it's their entire relationship that she thinks that they have is all in her head just because she's crazy. Yeah, sometimes characters build up this like they romanticize things in their head like some of the past entries and it's kind of endearing and like sweet. Um this is not one of those cases. No, um, absolutely not. There's nothing <laughs> sweet about Miss Lovett. No, she wants him to love it, but really he hates it. So <laughs> <laughs> So, um, we forgot to rate this one. Oh, well, here's the deal about it. In the end, she completely lied to him. She told him, like, he found his 
he found out that his wife was actually alive, granted a little insane, but hey, is anyone really more insane than Miss Lovett? Not really. No. So, um, and she's been lying to him this whole time. And then he killed her. So really, considering he killed her and she killed him emotionally, we're going to give a, like, three. Yeah, we we don't feel bad for her. We don't. We feel, we definitely feel more for Sweeney. And it's sad because he's painted as a villain so much because he's the one that's actually doing the murdering. But in reality, Ms. Lovett is such a manipulator that she drives him to kind of keep killing and keep on ruining lives oh the trickery to the extreme for yeah, sure she's she's 100 the reason behind it and mm-hmm. that is why she's the villain not him which sucks for a sweeney yeah for sure and now for a show with even more gore and murder than the last susicle <laughs> so um here is out on this one okay so gertrude she kind of her entire life is like you know writing love songs to horton trying to get him to notice her she has this little tale and she blames that for why she can't you know get him to love her by and... the way never blame your tale on the reason you can't get a man <laughs> it, it's not logical just saying no. out to all the girls out there no, she grows her tail and absolutely nothing changes. It actually makes everything worse. But she does do that for him because she wants his attention so bad. Don't change yourself for men, ever. <laughs> Don't do it. But she got him in the end, so maybe do change yourself for men. <laughs> she got him. Bit, just maybe. Um, she loves him so much. She sacrifices her, you know, all for you is all about her, you know, going through all these hardships to try to get him and prove to him that she loves him because he never notices because he's too invested in his clover and stuff and she it took her seven weeks but she gets his clover to him which is all he really cares about and like can we talk about the fact that she like got hit by a car for yeah and came to hit run nice doubled on one um yeah she got hit by a car for him and what did he do he looked at his clover and was like oh little people look at that that's so cute yeah she trampled through a tree full of furious bees. <laughs> like, for him. wow, what a sacrifice. What yeah. a girl. What a girl. We um we don't feel too bad for anyone. Everything turned out good in the end. Yes, she she did go through some troubles, but she's okay. She got the flu, you know, all that. Don't we all? <laughs> Not that but bad. with birds and elephants, how sad can you really be? It, it was a happy ending. Everything was fine. So we gave this one a 2 out of 10. Okay, so next up is Chicago. The story of Amos is just a really heartbreaking story. And the fact that, like, he would do anything for a woman who would do nothing for him. You feel for him so much. Mr. Cellophane is so... It's so sad. We, like... Amos is the only good guy in the story, if we're being honest. And I'm going to disagree with the fact that Mr. Cellophane is a sad number. It's quite jazzy. <laughs> um, but it's still, the lyrics make you feel something. When he's talking about how there's a woman who's been with him for seven years and has not noticed him, it's really kind of very upsetting. Because, um, yeah, absolutely. You think you'd notice someone like absolutely. that, but you don't. There's the suppose you was a woman wed and sleeping in a double bed beside one man for seven years, you'd notice him. And she doesn't. She doesn't. It's so bad. It's so bad. 
Um, she cheats on him multiple times. Yeah, multiple times. And whenever she murders Fred Casely, um, he is willing, completely willing to go to, you know, get blamed for his murder, even though he had absolutely nothing to do with it. He testifies um, to the policeman. He says it was him. He takes the blame for his wife's murder. Without hesitation. No, yeah, he never was like, oh, I don't know about that. He just loves her that much. It's this kind of, like, blinded by love situation. Oh, absolutely. Where no matter what happens, he's so, like, into her that it doesn't matter that she does these awful things. He's kind of a gullible and dopey character. So, yes, he gets gets manipulated so easily by Roxy just because she knows that he isn't smart. And she takes advantage of that with every sense that she has. She reveals that in Funny Honey. Um, She just, he is a very easy person to manipulate and she is a very good manipulator. So, no, she's the ultimate user. She would do absolutely anything to get famous, to get rich, to become popular. And in the end, that's not what his, what his morals are. He he wants love. He wants Mm -hmm. comfort. And she wants fame and fortune. And that just doesn't come... They they wouldn't mix together well Mm-mm. unless she manipulates him, which she does. Yeah, when um when she announces that she's pregnant, he's so excited. Like, he's so ready. And she uses that to her own advantage. And she wasn't even pregnant. No. It's she, really, she it's really it sad. <laughs> and you may be able to look through cellophane, but you can't walk through it, which is what we thought the original lyrics were. You can walk not. Right through me, but you can't walk through cellophane. No. I had to Google um, it to make sure. But for that reason, was. for that reason, we're gonna give it a seven out of ten, just like for the seven years that she didn't notice him. Oh, that's kind of so, good. That's kind of good. Yeah, we didn't even notice that. <laughs> Okay, so next we have um, another iconic love triangle situation with Wicked. Um, Interestingly enough, I'm Not That Girl is a song that is another song that people sing to themselves when they don't have a boyfriend. Oh, for Um, sure. Fun fact, I sang this song to myself over a boy that McKenna is now dating. (laughs) 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 Little fun fact. It's okay. I liked him years ago. It's fine. No, yeah, she she was little. Don't don't worry about it. I was a little kid. Interesting enough, um, I'm not that girl. Is sang by both women in the love triangle as a um a first song in a reprise, which is it's. I thought it it was very it's well written. Um, I think it's a good song. Glinda's line that really sticks out is "Wishing only wounds the heart," which is just you feel really bad for her because she had him and then she lost him to her best friend. So, yeah, based on that, we should probably point out that, yes, we are focusing on Glinda in this Unrequited Love. Yes. Because Elphaba's is requited for most of the show, while Glinda's is unrequited for most of the show. Yes. So, we're going to focus on Glinda and how she had him and lost him. Um, She kind of, whenever she loses him, she loses not only the guy that she was in love with but also her best friend which she she really got the short end of the stick in that situation because she she kind of had everything she was popular girl in school she had great friends and the guy that she liked and then she lost all of that whenever she chose being kind of famous in Oz over you know healthy relationships which she had 
bad decision on her part. Absolutely. And she may have gotten the fame, but in the end, she lost so much more than the fame, and it wasn't worth it. And she knows that now. Yeah. And you can tell during some of the songs that it's obvious she she knows that the mistake she makes, she regrets it, and it sucks for her. It really does. Yeah. Um, another interesting thing about this is that she kind of killed Elphaba's sister. Yeah. Kinda. We don't know for sure, but like it, it she, I mean she didn't she didn't mean to, but it did happen. She unintentionally killed her best friend. She sister. was like, Oh yeah, Alpha Bubble will do anything for Nessa, and then they're like, Oh, let's drop a house on her. <laughs> <laughs> and so she kind of was kind of a traitor. Oh yeah, she totally traded oh that's not English. <laughs> um <laughs> She betrayed. But- she totally betrayed Elphaba, but not yeah. on purpose, but yes, on purpose, because she was so mad at Elphaba for stealing her man. But really, it's hard to steal someone's man if they were never truly someone else's in the first place. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, Elphaba is kind of just more because Glinda kind of just wants to be loved and Elphaba wants what's right. And that's the difference between them. And that's why... Alphaba, you know, is all about, you know, justice for the animals, justice for the people. And that's why she kind of rejects societal standards and is like, I'm going to do my own thing and be wicked, you know, and and Glinda just wants to do what's nice and easy. Oh, she settles in life 100%. Absolutely. And so, you know, Alphaba gets Fiero because she see he sees something in her that Glinda kind of never... Glinda never wanted to, you know, be this radical kind of person who was making a lot of change. She kind of just wanted to be, you know, a figure of, like, goodness. And she ended up being that figure of goodness. Everyone looks up to her, but she has no depth. No. Nope. Um, the only thing that was deep about her was her relationship with Alphaba, and mm-hmm. it ended up being lost. Yeah, because I mean, Alphaba uh, was has, so much... She has just all this, like, powerful like qualities mm-hmm. of of being somebody who wants to change the world yes exactly and glenda just never had those goals for herself she just wanted you know she wanted to be famous she wanted to be with the wizard even though that whole thing was just so corrupt but and elphaba wanted no part of it because she wanted the right thing instead of you know the easy thing i mean as kermit the frog once said it's not easy being green (laughs) um two best friends going after the same guy kind of sounds like our seventh grade production of weekly bond jr if you know what i mean Nobody knows what you mean. <laughs> if, if you were there, you know, you know. That you, yeah, if you were there in our seventh grade production of Legally Blonde, you, you know the know. that went down. So, um, next up we have Kinky Boots. For that, for um, Wicked, we give um, a five out of ten before we move oh, yeah. on. Oh, yeah, before we move on. Five out of ten, kind of middle of the road. Yeah. Not yeah. super sad, but also you, you get some empathy there for her. She loses um, kind of everything. It's, it's it's sad, but it's not sad. No, like she nobody's dying. Like yes, they That's ran away or whatever, and everyone well, thinks actually, they died. Oh yeah, actually, died. <laughs> yeah, they do think she died. So you know, it is that is kind of sad, but nobody actually no. died, except for Alphaba's sister, who did actually <laughs> yeah. die. <laughs> I didn't forget about that. Um, okay, so next up we have Kinky Boots. Um. We thought if this was kind of a cute. We kind of okay. So the reason we um made our list was from Unrequited Love Song. So History of Wrong Guys is definitely an Unrequited Love Song, but it's not sad in the way you know 
some other shows are on this list. No, this one's really quirky and fun, and it's just the song's much more excited than it is. Yeah. Oh man, I'm so sad that this guy doesn't love me. It's more like, oh, I have a crush. I'm getting these giddy butterflies that I don't get often, which it just makes you root for her. Yeah, she's a precious character. She's so optimistic. She kind of um, goes through history of wrong guys. She goes through like what is happening to me and then at the end she's like yeah I'm gonna embrace this crush and even if it doesn't work out I'm gonna try you know and it's just super cute it's it's, it's precious some... we love her Lauren is just a fantastic character. oh absolutely um the entirety of history of the wrong of wrong guys it makes you fall in love with her more and more um eventually Charlie falls in love with her as well so yeah like, and we get why yeah get she's why, precious she's perfect um and it's just adorable. So, no, it's not sad. She gets the boy. No, there's no big issues. There is no deaths in this one. Nope. Um, it's happy. It's pretty fun. She gets executized. She does. <laughs> I mean, there's no big issues. No. So, so we doesn't even this... get a full point. No, we give this a point five out of 10 because, you know, she's had some pretty bad heartbreaks in the past. And that's what she kind of reflects upon with History of Wrong Guys. But... You know, she never lets that crush her spirit, which is something to admire about Lauren. She learned from all the mistakes, and oh, now yeah. she knows, and she's she's happy about it. It's yeah. fun. Lauren's ex-boyfriend may have loved the boy next door, but so did Ram in <laughs> So, okay, next we have Miss Martha Dunstock. Um, or Martha Dump Truck, depending on who knows her. um this girl i feel so bad for her i feel so bad for her (laughs) that's about all i have to say like poor poor girl she's just such a dreamer she's Mm -hmm. such a dreamer and it never comes true for her um even in the end she doesn't get oh well ram dies before she could even (laughs) that kind of doesn't work but she doesn't even get a man in the end. All she gets is her friend back, which honestly, her friend was kind of sucky, so didn't really help much. Kindergarten boyfriend. That that is the saddest song in the show. I will attest. Um, the line that stood out to us the most was, "Certain girls are meant to be alone." Because here's the deal: she didn't once accept that she was meant to be alone until kindergarten boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Until that time, she 100% thought that. Um, she was a person who was going to get him she was very tracy like in this sense where she was yeah she was like oh well he invited me to this party this means he must like me and she was so pumped about it and yeah then in kindergarten boyfriend she just realizes that that's not reality yeah and she says she puts all of her faith in like feeling accepted and feeling loved in this one boy who's an asshole and will never love her Mm-hmm, for sure she's so naive about it she she doesn't see what everyone else sees and that's no. so unfortunate because the audience just wants to make her see it they just they want to like shake her and be like wake up yeah because she she's dreaming this whole show that she can be popular and be you know like have this boy that she just you know once had a fling with in kindergarten and that was the last time she actually felt seen and felt loved which is so sad and that's why um also the line so I'll build a dream that I can live in and this time I'm never waking up because she feels that the only way she can achieve this happiness that she used to feel and this feeling of feeling seen and feeling loved and feeling content is through death 
because the highlight of her life was a boy liking her in kindergarten. Yeah. And in the end, her entire life was an illusion. I yeah. mean, not really, but she lived in this illusion that she built for herself. And she mm-hmm. already built this dream that she could live in for her entire life. And then she realized that's death. That's all that she can have. Yeah. It's just weird because in the show, she had this like polar attitude at the beginning and it was just so good and it was hopeful. And, and you like, you so loved her because you're like, oh, wow, she's so, you know, she's so like, she brings the the sparkling cider to the party. Like, she's just so cute and you just like love her and you just want, you want people to be nice to her. And nobody will. No. Nope. And that's how her polar attitude changed throughout the show because she realizes what life really is. And it's so sad in shows to see characters who are excited about life change their perspective. Mm-hmm. She she thinks that the only way for her to be happy again is dying. And that's it's awful. And like, yes, she didn't succeed. But the fact that she felt that that was the best option for her because she felt so useless in life and so unloved. And so, you know, all of that is just it's so heartbreaking. You really feel for her. It's hard watching a dreamer's dream gets crushed. Oh, it's awful. That's just so hard to watch. It's so awful. Like that that whole the whole character of Martha, you you see her evolve from happy to, you know, hopeless. And that's she, just hard to watch. She was just such a hopeful character. And then she just she gets her dreams crushed because nobody can just accept her for who she is. No, once you're rejected enough times, you really lose it. Yeah, it's so and sad. And for that reason, we're going to give it a 7 out of 10. Um, yes. It w- it's rough. I mean, maybe oh, it, w- it was a rough time. It was hard to it was hard to rank this one because it's, it is really sad. But in the end, her hopeful attitude and perspective at the beginning kind of lowers it a little bit. And the thing is, is we don't know what happens, you know, after the show. But I think that her friendship with Veronica and kind of the school's attitude changing after, you know, all the traumatic events happening that you hope that she can, you know, get help and get resources, you know, to bring back her hopeful attitude that she has inside of her that kind of got lost. And you and you feel that at the end that things are going to get better for everyone. So that's why we didn't rank it as low. It wasn't as hopeless as some of the other shows are. You the the end of the the message of the end of Heather's is kind of that things can get better, even if not now. That's a fantastic way to put it. Yeah. So that's why we gave her a 7 out of 10. We would have made it higher, but the fact that we think that she, her you know, faith in humanity can be restored someday is enough <laughs> to not make it as high as some of the others. Now that we're back on the H train, here's another musical that starts with an H, Hunchback, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Okay, so we have two entries for Hunchback, which is a little unorthodox, but there was a lot of unrequited love in this story. Oh, yeah, this whole show is just about, it's kind of a love square. Yeah, it's wild. And it's, only it's one a of love the guys square. gets the girl, so yeah. <laughs> so we're going to start out with Frollo. So, okay, Frollo is such an interesting villain. He's so complex. Um, The song Hellfire is the the time where he's kind of he's confessing his sins but he's also not because he's putting all the blame on Esmeralda for his own feelings of lust and stuff which is so interesting he's kind of saying out loud well he does say he says it's not my fault but like he's 
trying to ignore the fact that it's happening. Yeah, he's he's making it such an external thing. Like the devil is, you know, pressuring me. Basically, yes, it's not my it's not my fault. If in God's plan, he made the devil so much stronger than the man, he's blaming something else for his own feelings of lust, which he, you know, he's such a biblical guy you know he wants to reject every kind of sin that there is and he feels the sin in him and he doesn't know what to do with it so he freaks out no he's and a lot of people say he's the worst he's human he's really a human character if oh absolutely you had to say who you related more to esmeralda or frollo you would say frollo and if you say you like you think esmeralda you're wrong because she has she's one-dimensional oh, and absolutely. all she wants is kindness in the world and if that's what you want in life sure go ahead but Frollo is like just so he's complex. real. He's very real. Um, and if just... anything, he is kind of almost the most because because everything he does is so right that it's wrong. Yes. He goes to the extreme of everything that it turns out to hurt people, even if he doesn't want you know to. Yes, he wants, he says either, you know, Esmeralda's with him or she should die, but he just wants, you know, he thinks that is the right thing to do. And that's the issue. He might be very selfish because, yes, he's very selfish and we all know that, but he has the most principles out of anyone in the entire show. Oh, absolutely. And, and he, he's not an evil guy. No, he takes Quasi in for his brother. He does mm-hmm. stuff to, like, show that he has a heart. And he obviously has a heart because he fell for Esmeralda. Even if it was lust, that's still an act of the heart. And he, I mean, it's just wild that people try to villainize him so much, even though he is a villain. Yes, he is. We and he's not the best person, but nobody in the show is. No, the entire show, like, everybody has faults. Everybody has faults in this show. And the show really highlights everybody's faults on purpose. He, um, he kind of, he wants to teach Quasi. And that's what people ignore so often is that he's trying to do what's best for Quasi and no one else in the village would have treated him with the same kindness that Frollo does. And um, back to Pellfire, I think that song is so interesting because this love that he has for Esmeralda is not, it's not a like, oh, I love you. It's like a, I am terrified because I'm feeling something for this girl. He, no, he's scared of himself, and he's scared of his feelings, and he can't accept them. And this this song is the lack of acceptance. It's him trying to accept it, but he 100% can't. And it's awful. And um, just and that the, fight with himself, the push and pull, it's it's crazy. It is. And um, whenever he's, you know, saying, it's not my fault, I'm not to blame, um, the, the chorus is yelling back at him, um, basically accepting the blame for his actions they're saying mea culpa and it's almost like his inner voice is like battling with him you know to try to figure out what to do and what's right and yes he does end up trying to kill esmeralda but that's what he thinks he thinks she's from the devil so he thinks that's what is right he keeps calling her fire and that's i mean in the show that's what she is yeah um, that's she's the fire of her she is fiery. She's she's like in the beginning. She was very saucy with her dancing. It yeah. was kind of wild, and she's she's just like this like fireball. That's what she is. And yeah, no, there's he a, knows that, and she he represents he, fire. He confuses that fire for hellfire, and he thinks that it's like 
this thing that's burning him at the stake but instead it's just this burning feeling in his heart and I think that it's difficult to watch him confuse it yeah because what he is feeling isn't inherently bad like yes he does feel lust for her but he could he doesn't have to go to this extreme of like you know she needs to die you know she will be mine or she will burn. That's, yeah. that's too far. From, yeah. Too intense. But he doesn't He just doesn't know what to do with these such intense feelings that he has. That he feels that the only way to fix it is either to, you know, be with her or she needs to die because she's just such... The, re, the fact that he's feeling these lustful feelings means that she is from the devil. No, he couldn't sacrifice his... And he, he wasn't willing to make the sacrifice. He wasn't willing to make the sacrifice of the blame being on him Mm-mm. or letting his religion go or Mm-mm. putting his morals to the side. And Mm-mm. if he did that, maybe he would have been a better character, but he wasn't willing to do that because he has such strong principles. Yeah. And that's not inherently a bad thing. No, not at all. Uh, he just lets, like, he just couldn't let it go for Esmeralda. And that's yeah. where the push and pull comes from. Yeah. So um, we gave Frollo a six out of 10 because while he you know does have this unrequited love with her he just wants her so bad that he feels that you know he feels that he literally is compromising all of his morals he feels like he's lost himself he's lost his sense of like purity because of her so we do feel bad for him but also he is he did try to kill her so so yeah that that took him down a couple points (laughs) go. It wasn't yeah. that bad. I mean, everyone tries to kill someone they're, they're in every <laughs> once in a while, you know. <laughs> so, on a sadder note, we have Quasimodo. Oh, poor Quasi. <laughs> the sad part is, is he is just such a good person. Oh, he's, he's goodness and acceptance in a person. That's what he is. He just wants to, he wants to protect her. He wants to love her. Um, she gives him a sense of validation, which is what he's never really had before. Like, nobody ever really sees him because, you know, he's been locked away. So whenever he's seen by a person is shown kindness, you know, he's like, it's the first time he's ever felt that. So he just falls in love with her instantly. What is this feeling so sudden and new? <laughs> exactly. Um, and the sad part is, is, you know, she never sees him pass for... Like, yes, she is kind to him, but she never, you know, looks past his ugliness. Yes, she's kind to him, but almost like a kind of pity thing. She pities him. Yes. She she friends on him so hard. Oh, absolutely. Um, And it's honestly, like, people might hate this. It's genuinely because of the way he looks. Oh, yeah. Like, if he looked, you know, like, like, Phoebus. The, he, she probably would have gone for him but and that's that's not her fault is the thing you know everyone looks exterior and you know there's some people in life that you you pity and you don't you know you're not looking at them in a romantic sense and that's not her fault but you know it is pretty heartbreaking to watch him see the girl that he's in love with you know fall for someone else he says in heaven's light that no face as hideous as his face was ever meant for heaven's light he That's knows it. that he's very he gets he was so hopeful and then he kind of becomes self-aware similar to Martha yeah and um he realizes that you know he wasn't really meant for these 
this happiness that love is. And the thing that, like, really pushed us over the edge for yeah. this one, um, it's just wild. He, well, I'm just going to say the quote from the script. Um, when they tried to detach the skeleton which he held in his arms, she crumbled to dust. Essentially, when she died, um, being burned to death, he held her in his arms and burned to death with her so she wouldn't feel pain. Similar to A Little Fall of Rain, but actually he died too, so worse. Yeah, um, no, um, she she died in the bell tower, and he stayed with her until he crumbled to dust. And it was, in- I thought that was an interesting thing that they said, how the skeleton, like, crumbled in his arms the second they tried to pull her away from him. Yeah. Because he was, like, they, they were holding each other together in life and in death. Yeah. It's just kind of weird. I don't know, that just, that, that, it strikes you, because... No, yeah. Phoebus wasn't even there for her death. No, he... Quasi was. Yeah, he he literally quasi held her until he died. And he was willing to do that. That's a sacrifice if I've ever heard of one. Yeah, no, he realized that the only kind person he's ever really had in his life was her, and so whenever, you know, he watched her die, which his last word one of her last words was you're such a good friend quasimodo you know that must be awful to hear and then he you know held her until he died no offense to esmeralda but if i were holding her in my arms as she was dying and she goes you're such a good friend i would have walked away right then and right there (laughs) (laughs) just saying (laughs) so we did give quasi a 10 out of 10 just because and it's back, heartbreaking. Our first ten out of ten. Yeah, Quasi deserves it. Quasi he does. does. We feel he doesn't. Nothing good ever really happens to him, except for you know this person who he feels like is an angel. You know, he and... says suddenly an angel has smiled at me, and he feels her kindness so much that you know he would was willing to do anything for her, and she never saw him past a friend. His face when he sees her with Phoebus. Um, oh, oh. It's heartbreaking. Oh. It it's hurts. so sad. It's so sad. It, it has permanently scarred me. You just feel so bad for him. Oh, my gosh. He's, he, he's such an easy character to empathize with. Oh, absolutely. Just because, you know, he's disabled. He can barely, like, you know, speak correctly because of his deafness, you know. He... It's- He's just innocent, and he's just so innocent because he's never seen anything. No, he's so sheltered. He just wants, he just wants to be loved and to be seen and be accepted. That's all he wants, and he doesn't get it. That's so sad. If you thought it couldn't get any sadder than that, you thought correct. As our sad skill limit was ten, but here's one that is also a ten. Shoot, we just spoiled it. <laughs> so, Miss Saigon is another 10 out of 10. It's crazy sad. If you've never watched it, go watch it right now. Oh, it's terribly sad. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of sad musicals. I like, like, peppy fun ones. Um, but McKenna loves the good sad musical, and this is her favorite. Yeah, this is my, this is my favorite of all time. Um, the thing with Kim is she never gets her way she never gets a break she watches her family die she gets sold into prostitution and she gets her dream guy and then he's taken from her and then gets a new wife like it's it's rough yeah she has his kid 
she has this kid and she she can't move on because she has this child that every time she looks at that kid she's gonna be like that's chris's baby chris yeah. is coming back she sees the kid and chris like there's no wow. way she can move on from that you know they were married she has every reason to believe that you know she's not thinking that he's you know moving on getting married to someone new she, that's not even a thought that she knows she and i still believe she feels so strongly that he'll return because you know he promised he would chris is not a bad character he's not no he's not just moved on. but it still is super unfortunate that he did promise that he would come back and never did the thing is is kim and chris together is such kind of a juvenile kind of relationship it was so rushed you know they fell in love in like one night they got married oh yeah they were naive they were completely just like head over heels for each other and it wasn't realistic like, no, yes, they were they totally in love with each inside. other, but, you know, it wasn't, like, a true connection. They kind of just both needed something in each other that they found with each other. She needed comfort, and he needed, you know, he felt he had this kind of, you know, American... He had to protect someone. Yes, exactly. He had this desire in him to, you know, kind of save someone because he felt so wrongly about, you know, the whole prostitution thing. And so he felt so strongly about having to save someone. And he found that in this innocent girl. And she wanted so badly to be protected. And in the end, it wouldn't have worked out. If they did move to America, it probably would have never worked out. And him and Ellen are just so much more realistic. Mm -hmm. They're mature. Ellen represents something. Yes, she represents, represents maturity. She represents his new lifestyle. And something that could happen that is realistic that is well thought out he was too young to realize what he was doing with kim and yes they were in love and yes they loved each other but it wasn't you know a true like adult sustainable love yes they were in love and yes (laughs) (laughs) and the saddest part is whenever ellen and kim meet that meeting is just so heartbreaking because whenever Ellen says I'm his wife, she's like, tell me you're lying. She can't comprehend that Chris could ever kind of betray her like that. She feels betrayed in that moment. Cause she never moved on. Mm-hmm. Either. She couldn't. She was never able to move she on. Couldn't. And it, she's probably baffled by the fact that he could mm-hmm. move on when she couldn't. All, all the time she thought of him. And yes, he thought of her too. He had those nightmares that he was, you know, waking up screaming her name. But he allowed himself to get better and, you know, move on from this girl who was across the world that he knew that he could realistically not pursue a relationship with. And it's just sucky. the saddest part is, is immediately after she realizes she and Chris have no chance together, she's like, you have to take my son. Which is just so sad because she realizes that the only way for her son to have a good chance is if he's in America. Because, you know, she doesn't want him to have the bad life that she's giving him in Vietnam. But she's willing to give up her child. And the deal is, once she gives up her child, once she gives up the idea of Chris, she has nothing. Mm -hmm. 
And she knew full well she would have nothing without her kid and without Chris. Mm -hmm. And And that's when she makes a tough decision that really breaks the entire audience. Oh, the last song in the show is the saddest thing. The fact that, first of all, she could give away the only thing she had. She gives up her child that she loves and she cares about more than anything. But she cares about him so much that she knows that she can't give him the life she wants to give him. And so she obviously can't live with that. So she... That results in her suicide. Um, spoiler alert. Um, but yeah. <laughs> this whole podcast is spoiler alert. Yeah, I realized we forgot to say that at the beginning, and I was like, whoops. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it just, it's, it's so sad to watch her hopes be so high the whole show mm-hmm. and then get completely crushed in that one moment where she sees Ellen. Mm-hmm. It's, she knows, she says, um, her sacrifice to her child is so immense. She says, and I give my life for you. She's like, I will, you know, give my life for you. And she does. She Because she knows that the only way for him to get all, give, get all the things that she wants to give him is through Ellen and Chris taking him. Also, props to Ellen for taking another woman's son. Yeah, Ellen is such husband. a good, good job, character. Ellen. She did not ask for any of this yet. She's so supportive and she just wants, you know, they, she wants what's best for Kim and for, you know, the baby. And the the line that we thought really stood out for um, Kim was, I feel the walls of my heart closing in. I can't breathe. I can't win. Because in that moment, Ooh. she realizes that she she has this moment whenever she finds out that Chris is coming back. She's like, this is too much for one heart. She's so excited. She is over the moon. Her The love of her life is coming back, you know, she thinks, to be with her. And in that moment, she realizes that the only thing she wanted is gone. She can't win. She's not going to... She's not getting anything from this situation. Nothing... She has nothing really left to live for. And that's 100% when she completely gives up. Yeah. she She drops to the floor. She's like, you have to take my child. You have to give him the a good life, life that he I deserves. Can. And it's so sad. So this is a complete 10 out of 10. Um, Heartbreaking. Awful. You are heartless. Not a dry eye um, in the audience. Everyone was crying. Everyone she, was crying. She, like Eponine, um, she dies in his arms, which was all she wanted. And I don't know. It's just... It's just the saddest thing you it's could possibly watch. Oh, so sad! Stage. You watch her, you watch Kim's spirit get crushed over and over and over again, and she never and you, wins. You think that she would like finally have enough of it, and she just keeps going. Mm-hmm. And you think eventually she'll like give up, and she never does mm-hmm. until Chris is finally taken away from her for the final time. Yeah, it's it's heartbreaking, and I think. Kim deserves better, period. She deserves she deserves <laughs> nothing that she got. And you wanna you you wanna root for her, but also that you don't antagonize Ellen. There's no bad person in this story. Everyone just Well Well We're not gonna talk about her. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a couple of in the story, but like in this love triangle, there's no, no bad person. Everyone everyone wants what's best for each other and 
Chris knows Chris loves her, but it's she represents his past. Ellen is and his you future. You can always love your past and hold on to your past, mm-hmm. but your past can't define no. you. No, and he he gets to move on from it, and Kim just never gets a chance to, and that's why she gives up and kills herself, which is it's so sad to watch. Um, 10 out of 10 would recommend 10 out of 10 tears shed. Oh, absolutely. Probably a lot more than 10 tears shed, but we have a <laughs> sobbing, scale, so. Sobbing. Yes. <laughs> like the loud kind of sob where it's kind of, no, like, it's, 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 it's annoying for everyone around you, but like awful. everyone else is doing the same thing. So it's okay. Yes. Thanks for tuning in to thank you. 10 with Zoe and Ken. Make sure to join us for next week's episode. We will be discussing the very heated topic of who was correct and who was wrong in the Jamie versus Kathy debate of the next, the last five years. <laughs> See y'all next week. Um, love you. <laughs>